Hello and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk About It Family and am I excited for this one. You know, this podcast stems from football season and kind of gave me a way to give, you know, my listeners and whoever else is interested to, you know, stay up to date with everything sports and specifically football, man. Who doesn't love football? And I started this in August. I started this on week one of the college football, you know, opening week, uh, week zero, if you will. Um, and, and it's an amazing journey to be here now and it's still going and it's growing and there's also been some growing pains, but you know, that, that, that comes with life guys. And I, I'm, I, I'm happy to be here and I can't be more excited for what's to come for this podcast or, you know, what I can do to grow from this and what platforms I've had multiple people reach out to me and they want to get on this podcast. So that is something that we will be getting into later into, you know, the episodes later into this segment. But today this segment is solely and specifically about the Super Bowl, the halftime show, and a little tiny bit of the NBA trade deadline and what has occurred there. I know we touched on that last week, but I want to talk about a few of the trades that kind of went over my head that I might have missed on. And one of those is the acquisition of Seth Curry by the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, I talked about the Ben Simmons-James Harden trade, um, but, but, but what is very important to me, and I could be wrong, I may not have spoken about those trades, so just in case I didn't, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, talk about those now. I get a little confused between, you know, the other podcast that I do at school called Three's a Crowd, whether if it's been talked about on this one or not. So I'm going to make sure we're going to touch on that. So the NBA trade deadline is what I'm going to start with. But before we get there, I want to go ahead and shed some light on the beautiful halftime show and as well as the hard fight, um, the hard fought game by both teams as well as the coaches and the coaching staff and the training staff and everybody who has been intertwined with the COVID protocol. Good job to everybody. We had a very successful football season, I would say, in the NFL. And I think that it's just something that we're going to build off of and continue to fight through this pandemic. But let's jump into this NBA trades and let's talk about it. So the first trade, and obviously the biggest trade everyone's talking about, is the James Harden, Brooke, Brooklyn Nets, you know, Philadelphia 76ers, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, first round pick trade. And I think it's hard for me to sit here and say that the 76ers won this trade. Yes, they got the better player, but I don't think that they won the trade because in the long run, I do think that the Brooklyn Nets will be a more dominant organization than the 76ers. And that's because of one reason and one reason only, and that is Kevin Durant. And of course, with um, Kyrie Irving, if he is able to play with the vaccine updates that he is trying to, you know, get up to speed with, but uh, uh, nevertheless, I do think that the Brooklyn Nets win this trade solely because of the Seth Curry accusation. He, he's a lights-out shooter, the brother of Stephen Curry and the son of Dale Curry, lights-out shooter from Charlotte back in the day, played amazing games in Philadelphia, and he's going to do the same thing for Brooklyn. Another trade that piques my interest is the Karis LeVert trade to the Cleveland Cavaliers from the Indiana Pacers. And honestly, the Indiana Pacers are <clears throat> plummeting, but they're one of those teams that come in and out each year. Frank Vogel, when he had Paul George and Roy Hibbert and those boys, they were a great team, as well as David West at the power forward position. They were a great team, but they just couldn't get over the hump of LeBron. And I think one year they actually did. Um, but it was in the regular season. They got the best of them, but it, it seemed like every time LeBron met them in the playoffs, you know, the Pacers just weren't as what people thought they could have been and I do think that it's okay it's a great year for the Pacers to rebuild shipping away Karis LeVert he's on his third team I want I think no, it was second yeah, third team in two years um, if I'm not mistaken it could be my, his third team in three years um, but I know that he started on the Brooklyn Nets got traded to the Indiana Pacers and now he is on the Cleveland Cavaliers and that's going to be a great help to Darius Garland with the absence of Colin Sexton and the rise of Rajon Rondo 
and um, Jared Allen that was traded from the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets do a lot of trading, guys, and if you know that, um, you follow the NBA. One more trade I wanted to touch on, and another one that piqued my interest is the Ricky Rubio that got traded from the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm not a hundred percent sure where he was traded to but that was interesting to me but it kind of made sense because they have so many guards and um having Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and Ricky Rubio on the court at one time and as well as Rajon Rondo next year whenever Colin Sexton is healthy would probably be a, a problem more than it will be a help so the Cleveland Cavaliers which are third in the east fighting strong as ever way above 500 one of the most dominant teams in the NBA and they do not have LeBron James and that's a testimony to Kevin Love and all those men that stayed there and fought Tristan Thompson I wish he would have stayed over there man now let's get into this Super Bowl and and, and what I want to start with and, and what I want to do, because when I start talking, I may not feel as if I'm giving credit to Matthew Stafford, and I am. Matthew Stafford is an amazing SEC-bred quarterback from the depths of Athens, Georgia, and he comes from a long line of quarterbacks from Georgia that weren't so successful, at least from what from where I can remember, I am 21 years old, so if we have older listeners, you know, remind me, please let me know. But from what I can remember, Matthew Stafford is one of the, you know, most decorated, not winningest, but most decorated Georgia quarterback. And you could even argue SEC with the exception of a few players that just go absolutely ballistic. But I don't like the Rams, and I have to be blunt with that, so I could be a little biased when I start talking about, you know, the game. But the Rams, they came out and they played amazing. They were deserving of the Super Bowl trophy. I know a lot of people think that it was given to them. No, it was not given to them. There was some calls that could have put the game in the Bengals' hands. Yes, I said put it in their hands, but that does not mean that the game was given to the Los Angeles Rams. They fought harder than ever, guys. And with, with losing Odell Beckham Jr., y'all seen they picked him up for a reason, and they needed him. And when he went down, it was something that they had to really rally behind, and they rallied behind Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. In one of the biggest moments of his life, one of the biggest plays of the year, he has a no-look pass across the middle while looking at the check down, hits Cooper Cup for the first down, and your Los Angeles Rams are the Super Bowl champions. And that's how it goes. But the game was so much more than that. The Joe Mixon touchdown to T. Higgins and the Joe Burrow long reception by Jamar Chase all over the top of Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cornerbacks walk in the NFL right now and that's uh, it's amazing and at the end of the game when Joe Burrow threw the crazy spinoff pass Samaj P. Ryan didn't get the first down and he also didn't catch the spinoff pass and Jamar Chase was open he didn't have enough time there was a lot that could have went down and that could have went in favor of the Bengals but I'm not taking anything away from Sean McVay he had a perfect game plan and I get a lot of my inspiration a lot of my stats and accolades from listening to other podcasts and other you know analysts and what Shannon Sharp said hit home he said the last time Sean McVay was in the Super Bowl he he got he, he couldn't run the ball, you know? And when he ran the ball, he just went pass, 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 pass. And that's why he ended up losing to Patrick Mahomes that year. They couldn't get out of the pass, pass, pass. You got to have a mix. You got to have a play action. You got to keep the defense on their toes or their heels, if you will. It's it, it's it's crazy, but Sean McVay did exactly the opposite this year. He he kept with the run game. Yeah, he only had like 25 yards rushing with Cam Akers, and he could have played Sony Michelle probably a little bit more, and gave him carries. But he says, "I'm gonna at least make you think." What Shannon said. Shannon said, "I'm gonna at least make you think I'm gonna run the ball. I'm gonna at least make you think that I'm crazy enough to keep running this ball, even though I'm getting 1.9 yards of carry, and that's not gonna get you a first down, boys." But however. 
I do think Sean McVay is one of the most decorated coaches in the NFL right now, and he is definitely the youngest to win a Super Bowl as we speak about the Super Bowl era right now. Um, uh, un, uh, I mean, uh, unexplainable, unexplainable offensive scheme, unexplainable defensive scheme by the Rams. They, they just they played amazing, guys. Now on the Bengals. I think the Beagles played more than well enough to win this game, but they got to, moving forward, they have to protect Joe Burrow. He was sacked 22 times out of, I want to say, um, his last 30 something dropbacks. And that's just absolutely, you can't expect the guy to take that beating and continue to be at the top level. And actually, no quarterback that was sacked more than 50 times in a season, I think, has ever made the Super Bowl. And he, he passed that. Way, way, way more than 50, if I'm not mistaken, what Skip said. So, um, even if it was 45 or 35, you know, getting sacked that many times is not healthy in the long run. And Joe Burrow is a great player, but he's not the biggest player, so they're going to add some protection. Talking about the defensive line for the Bengals, they absolutely played amazing. They shut down the run, and they actually played way better than I did. I thought that they would be overshadowed by the Rams, you know, great defensive line, but the Bengals showed up. Um, guys in their defense like Jesse Bates, you know, Mike Hilton. Um, even though Eli Apple did give up a few passes, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He played strong this postseason, and he overcame a lot of adversity. Now he's going to have to face that again, but I do believe that Eli Apple will come back, and he'll make some great plays and make sure that people can't argue about. But it's, it's just something about that Bengals team that rung Super Bowl, and they just couldn't get it done. But I think it's because the Rams were just that much better. And when you got Von Miller, you got Aaron Donald, you you, you got all these guys. You got Van Jefferson, you got Cooper Cup, you got OJ. You, you, you know, you got... You have everybody, <laughs> and there's guys I'm missing that, you know, were absolutely amazing on both sides of the ball. Andrew Whitworth for the left tackle for the Rams. Logan Wilson as the middle linebacker for the Bengals. There's so many players that I felt like deserved to win, and it hates, and the game hates having two winners, and that's why they never will have two winners. So, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me, but I do think that the Bengals had every chance to win. I do not think they were robbed. I think Joe Burrow came out and played as good as you could ask him. And and what's crazy is going into this game, teams were 31-5 and five when they led the turnover batter in the Super Bowl. Now those teams are 31-6 and because the Bengals lost. They had they had two turnovers at their zero. Matthew Stafford, like I was telling all my friends when I'm watching the game on Super Bowl Sunday, I said he's a great he's a great quarterback. Great arm talent, can throw it with the best of them, but he makes boneheaded plays. And he gave us two of those boneheaded plays, which I thought was going to be the turning point in the game. Like it could have been against the 49ers when Jaquise Tart dropped it. But it's crazy just to sit here and think about all of the things that the Rams went through. Getting OBJ. Cooper Cup having a triple crown this year. Absolutely going amazing. Matthew Stafford showing up. The offensive line showing up. Von Miller, Aaron Donald. All these guys coming together and playing and a lot of these teams that have done this the way that the Rams did it, buy all in for the present, they end up don't winning. And for the Rams to win and for the Rams to bring another, you know, another winning season to L.A. is absolutely amazing. And I, and I do think that the NFL, like I've said for multiple weeks on Let's Talk About It, the NFL is in great hands. And guys like Aaron Donald and guys like Andrew Whitworth and Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and Zach Taylor, the head, the head coach of the Bengals, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I mean, all of these guys, I'm missing Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, all these guys, the retired guys, the Mannings. I mean, I could go on and on and on. The NFL is in great hands. And I think that the older that we get, I'm talking about my generation, I think the older that we get, um, the graduating class of high school of 2018, I think the older that we get, that we will see some of these changes that aren't happening right now with, you know, the the, uh, not the, the the integrity changing of the ownership. I'm thinking there will be more minority listed, and we can get into that more, but I do think that the NFL and sports in general 
is in great hands. Now let's talk about this halftime show. The halftime show is absolutely the best I've ever seen. A plus from everybody involved. Kendrick Lamar coming out with 50%. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Kendrick Lamar coming out was absolutely amazing. 50 Cent coming out was absolutely perfect. It was it was it was a great twist to all the agony that we needed. Mary J. Blige singing her famous songs as well as Dr. Dre and Eminem. It was just so much, and the way they bounced back and forth, and how the stage was set up, and how they had, you know, the li- the little details that people forget about. How in the original music video to 50 cent song he was he was upside down so they made him upside down here snoop dogg coming out in the all crip outfit he's in la it, the, um uh, the the home team is blue which i'm wrong the away team was blue but you guys get what i'm saying it was at sofi stadium which is the ram stadium the home team was blue he came out in this crip blue you can't be mad at him man um snoop even got his smoke on before the game you know there's only one guy in the world that can smoke weed anywhere and that's snoop dogg he has smoked weed at the white house he has smoked weed at the super bowl and there's very few other guys that can say the same I mean, it was just amazing, guys. The only thing that they were missing on California Love was Tupac, and we can't do nothing about that. It was absolutely amazing. My favorite part that a lot of people aren't talking about, I want to say it was Eminem, and he had like his own concert type thing going on on the field. They had brought out some, you know, some people in those um, Carhartt fits for that that California love dance but uh, a few of those participants were also in the crowd for one of those guys I want to say it was Eminem and it looked amazing it looked as if a concert was going and going in with inside of the Super Bowl and it was just nice it was a great touch and having fans on the field was amazing so adding that was great I think the viewers went up to 20 million households more on top of what was watching before the halftime show when the halftime show came on. It, it was absolutely amazing. Still Dre, it, it was everything. And this is, I mean, I think this halftime show was a start for the change in the NFL for, you know, the different cultures to match up with each other. Because just like Shannon said on Undisputed this morning, you know, people that you know, get up and clean on Saturday morning, play a little bit of that stuff that you heard on that halftime show or were happy for this and it's okay to have the nickelbacks and the u2s and the and and you know the edge shares of whatever may have used but it's more amazing when you can show different cultures and heck one year we can have a freaking techno band and then we can bring out bad bunny you know for, for the culture so i think that that's a great start for the nfl they're having games in different places mexico germany canada and i think that we're moving in the right direction a few of the things i want to touch on about the off season um, <clears throat> Odell Beckham Jr. has officially tore his ACL, according to reports, is the same one from two years ago. Um, his greatest timetable, if everything goes right, would be early December, which cuts him to the year. So with him being a free agent, that is scary. Aaron Donald said before the game that if he won a ring, that he probably would retire. Now he's coming out and saying that's not exactly what he meant. Um, I do think that the Rams will bring back most people. Von Miller will probably go. Um, a few other guys will probably go, but they will keep the, the the main core. And you see, bringing back all 22 does not save you, is what Tampa Bay did, with the exception of Antonio Brown and some injuries like Tristan Wirfs. But still, it doesn't it doesn't mean that the same team has to come back and win. But I do think that Sean McVay, after losing his offensive coordinator last year, bounced back, and he just lost his offensive coordinator again. So I think that he's like, hey man, I'm basically calling the plays. They'll hire somebody else. He'll be a fill-in. Sean McVay will be right back fighting for that, you know, that conference championship. But my Seahawks will have something to do with that conference championship next year. That's all I got today on this talk about it. Thank you guys. I love coming here and talk to you. And actually, you know, today I wasn't feeling the best. Um, I just didn't want to get on here and talk about some stuff that everyone else was talking about. But then I said, you know, what 
what would it be? What would a sports podcast be without a Super Bowl overview? I mean, so I had to come out here and did it, and I did it for you guys. I'm your host, Jaden Ford. This is Let's Talk About It. I'm out of here. You guys have a great weekend and a great week.